I'm a professor of media studies as well as humanities, and I'm an evangelist of popular culture. But when there's only media, then there's going to be a slow debasement of language. And that's what I think we're fighting. Camille Paglia said that. Real popular culture is folk art, coal miners' songs and so forth. Noam Chomsky said that. I've often used the extremes in my work to comment on the mainstream. I think that sometimes a subject that I'm working on, like popular culture, is so present all around us that they're hard to see. It's like, how do you see the air you breathe? How do you see how it affects you? Lauren Greenfield said that. Hello and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. And we're talking about subject matter. Or actually, more, I suppose, specifically, popular culture. I'm a huge fan of popular culture. I don't deride it in any way whatsoever. But I also don't put... um, barriers to around those both of those words. I I don't put a barrier around what is popular or what is culture. To me, both things kind of support each other, but at the same time welcome in so much. And that's where our subject matter comes from, I believe, an interest in the things that surround us. The history, the passions, the enthusiasms that we have. What makes us as people? What intrigues us as people? The idea of a personal project, the word personal being so important, is that it should be based on these things. So I fully embrace popular culture. And when I'm talking to photographers... I'm always asking them, what is their engagement with popular culture? What are they interested in? What do they do for fun? If you imagine, for example, a food photographer or a football photographer, a sports photographer of any kind, somebody photographing architecture, somebody telling specific stories about a particular country or an environment or an issue, their passion for that subject is key. Because without that passion, we don't have a subject and we don't have anything to photograph. So if there's a theme for this week's episode, and themes certainly seem to be cropping up at the moment, I think the theme is popular. So let's kick off, shall we, with perhaps one of the most, I think, derided areas of photography that can definitely be described as popular and part of culture, and that's photography that appears in magazines. So often it's derided as being overly controlled, commercial, as if commercial is a bad thing. It doesn't have to be, of course. It can be manipulated. It can be used to get to an audience that ordinarily wouldn't connect with a particular type or approach of work. The history of magazines is filled with great photographers. Photographers such as Robert Frank, for example, that you might perceive as being one kind of a photographer, was a magazine photographer. So was Saul Leiter. And we can go on and on and on listing different photographers that are getting money, getting paid, getting commissioned by magazines, but also having their work appear in gallery spaces or expensive photo books. 
The two do not need to be defined as separate areas of work. What's also very interesting is just how often, if you go to an auction house, you'll see very expensive prints and work for sale that originally were commissioned or appeared in magazines. Quite often in popular magazines, maybe in Life magazine, maybe in Vogue magazine, maybe in Elle magazine, or in Sports Illustrated. It could be anywhere at any time. Mass market magazine does not have to mean mass market or poor quality photography. I think one of the most interesting magazines for photography is actually Vogue. Years and years and years, decades of issues have come out across the world. French Vogue, Italian Vogue, German Vogue, English Vogue, American Vogue, commissioning some of the most avant-garde, interesting photographers and also really pushing the envelope with what photographic representation can be. If you don't believe me because you're just looking at what it is today, I get that. But why not go back through the history of this magazine and see what's there? I think that you'll be surprised and a lot of names will come up. Yes, you would expect them to come up from the Sunday supplement magazines, the newspaper related magazines with the hardcore journalism and so forth. But never forget that people such as Bailey, Duffy, Donovan. Yes, we expect those from 1960s Vogue, but also Corinne Day. Mario Testino went alongside Mario Sorrenti. Two different photographers doing very different kinds of work. So my suggestion at this point is not only to embrace the idea of popular culture as a starting point for projects and for subject matter, but also to explore some of that work that you may have been told was not to be considered you may have thought was not to be considered. But it really should be taken seriously in my point of view. This week, we welcome to the podcast to explain to us what photography means to her in under five minutes, Carolyn Mendelssohn, who originally trained as an actor and director before moving into filmmaking and then photography. Her practice is rooted in telling stories and amplifying the voices of those who are not always heard. Mendelssohn is recognised for her portraits, including her portrait series and 2020 book, Being In Between, and is the founder of Through Our Lens, a workshop and mentoring programme that enables people to tell the stories, their stories, I should say, through the medium of photography. Her work has been exhibited internationally with solo and group exhibitions in national galleries across the UK and Europe. And she has been published by the BBC, The Guardian, The Sunday Times, The Telegraph, Le Monde and the British Journal of Photography, amongst many others. Mendelssohn's awards include a BJP Portrait of Britain in 2017, 2019 and 2021. And she was the winner of the Single Image Award for Open Wall at Arles. She was the finalist in the Kuala Lumpur International Portrait Awards 2021, the Royal Photographic Society International Photography Exhibitions RPS IPE 159 Gold and finalist for RPS IPE 160. 
In 2020, Carolyn was named winner of the Portrait Series category for the 15th uh, Julia Margaret Cameron Awards. She's the artist in residence for Born in Bradford and a Nikon Europe ambassador and an ambassador for the Royal Photographic Society. What does photography mean to me? Photography changed my life. (laughs) But ironically, I never, ever wanted to be a photographer. That was never going to be part of my path. I loved photography and going to exhibitions and photographs and visual imagery. But I was brought up in a family of um, professional and amateur and very keen photographers and filmmakers. And I always found um, the act of being photographed really invasive. And it wasn't something that I imagined would be part of my life. Instead, I was very driven to having a career in theatre and I trained as an actor and then moved into directing and then transitioned into filmmaking and creating film work that told stories, but also that uh, work that was projected onto the sides of buildings um, and had a performative aspect to it. So my work was always about stories. And my love is about story making, creating things that tell stories, that amplify voices. There came a time when I could no longer have that career. My life completely changed and I felt lost, completely alone. I felt like I could no, I was no longer a creative person. And then one day I picked up a stills camera. I had a complete epiphany. The thing that I had been avoiding for so many years saved my life, which sounds incredibly dramatic, but it really did. I realised um, that I could tell stories in a single frame in within my own square metre of my, what was at that point, what felt like a very small contained life. And... I went on a huge learning curve, a very exciting learning curve. And I started to tell stories with my camera. My love is, um, as a photographer, I love the work of August Sander. I love the work of Renika Dijkstra. I love the work of um, Ouija. (laughs) Things that contain um, insight into different lives Sometimes the work can be quite dramatic and sometimes the work can be very simple, like the portraits that Sander took, the huge body of the work that he created. And I think that is a massive influence for me. So when I create work, I have this toolkit from my theatre and story background through to things that I've seen, things that inspire me work that draws me in and I think that all goes into my own practice so my work is my work's predominantly about enabling people to have a space to tell their own story and whether it's because we make the photograph together or whether it is because I set up a project 
light through our lens, which enables people to tell their own story through photography. So many people have stories to tell. And I think when I look at photojournalism, often a photographer is brought in to tell somebody's story. But my role is, I think, to enable people to tell their own story. I do a lot of work with young people and whether it's my project being in between, which was a document of girls aged between 10 to 12, portraits of them wearing the clothes of their choice or and interviewing them about their lives or um, work that continues. I'm doing a project with a big health research pro- project with Born in Bradford called Age of Wonder. It's comes back to the same thing. The power of photography for me is to amplify voices that aren't often heard and to give people a space, whether it's through the way they are portrayed or the way they are able to tell their own significant story. Thank you very much, Carolyn, for your contribution this week. Stories and narrative once again so important. As always, if you're not aware of her work or you want to catch up on her work, you can uh, see it all on Carolyn's website. Full details, as always, are on the website page at unitednationsofphotography.com where this podcast is posted. To ensure full transparency, one of the reasons why I was talking about photography in magazines at the beginning of this episode, and specifically in Vogue, is that I'm currently working on a big book project uh, called uh, Condé Nast Has Left the Building, 60 Years of Vogue House. That's the building where... uh, all of the Condé Nast magazines, GQ, World of Interiors, House of Garden, Tatler, and of course Vogue, and Brides, I should say, I mustn't forget Brides, uh, were all produced uh, in one building in central London for six decades. The top floor was also the Vogue studios, where a lot of the photography that appeared in the magazines was produced, and so my mind is very much filled at the minute with that photography, and nothing wrong with that. Anyway, what I'm also working on is another project that I'd like to share with you that you may not be aware of. I'm not sure why I'm working on this project because it doesn't have any kind of set outcome at the moment, but it very much comes out of my research around Bill J and the film that we made, uh, Do Not Bend the Photographic Life of Bill J, which is still available for you to watch on YouTube for free. Anyway, this project is ModFot1. That's M-O-D-F-O-T. Very much a, a title of its time because ModFot1 was an exhibition of contemporary photography uh, produced in 1967 and exhibited at the Royal Watercolour Society's Galleries in Conduit Street before going on a British Council touring show around the UK and across Europe. The idea was that it would be in a similar vein to Edward Steichen's Family of Man exhibition of 1955 in the US. Well, its its intentions were kind of different from that. It was more of a kind of a, I suppose, a roundup, a focus on what was happening in photography in the late 1960s. 
What's interesting to me is it was the first uh, touring photographic uh, exhibition of contemporary work that went around the UK that came from the camera club world, incorporated contemporary photography, but also student photography. So who were the photographers featured? Well, it was one of the first shows that exhibited Raymond Moore's work. And if you're not aware of him, check out Raymond Moore. Quite hard to find information about him. But there are some great films on YouTube. Uh, alongside other photographers such as Don McCullen, John Cowan, the great J.S. Lewinsky, who photographed a huge amount of artists. He's somebody worth checking out if you're not aware of, of his work. He was also a, a lecturer. Uh, Roger Main, and of course, Bill Jay, who put himself in the exhibition, as well as overseeing the catalogue. So, Mod Fort One grew out of a group of disaffected photographers. The aim of the organisers was to gather together representatives of as many differing photographic genres as they could muster with a representative selection of work from the few colleges at the time that were offering photographic courses. Those colleges include Birmingham College of Art and Design, Brighton College of Art, Cardiff College of Art, Derby School of Creative Photography, London College of Printing, now LCC, and the Polytechnic School of Photography in London. The key driver behind the whole, whole project was a, a mainstay of the RPS, the Royal Photographic Society, Sir George Pollock, who wrote in the introduction to the catalogue, the motivating force uh, was the wish to see individual photographers treated as individuals. In this respect alone, this was a groundbreaking show, and Modfort played a key part in initiating the renaissance of British independent photographic practice that took place for the following decades. Now, there's very little known about Modfort, and it's very rarely spoken about. I'm researching it and finding it very difficult, I have to be honest, uh, to find out any information, but slowly but surely I'm digging away and coming up with material. I share it with you here today, I suppose really as a pickup from where we started this episode, which is that idea of beginning projects that you are personally connected to and you feel are really interesting. That's the basis behind everything I do, including this podcast, including the Condé Nast book, where I worked for nine years, and also this Modfot um, body of work, whatever that may mean. Bill Shapiro and I, I nearly said Bill J there, but Bill J won't be able to join us, but Bill Shapiro and I will be discussing the idea around the personal project in a future episode of The Conversation. So I suppose you could just see this as a taster this week for what is to come probably in about a month and a half's time. Anyway... There's been a lot we've got through uh, this week. As always, I hope you found it interesting, challenging. I hope there are things that you can pick up on and uh, look into yourself. And of course, in these difficult social economic times, I'm going to suggest the thing I suggest every week. Please just take care. <laughs>